I want to read to you Ephesians 4.21. It says, if you have really experienced the anointed one and you've heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that you are going to open our hearts and you're going to do a great work and you're going to do a quick work. We believe you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> thank you, Pat. Oh, man, we're so happy that you're here today. Thank you again for those of you watching online. Joey is ministering at a church uh, a couple hours away today. He's uh, helping out a friend there that needed his assistance. So he's ministering over there today, so he sends his love. He misses you. So. But this morning, I'm excited to have the opportunity to share with you today something that is on my heart this morning. And it's, it's so funny because it's in November, and uh, the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, notoriously in probably every church in America, they're going to talk about Thanksgiving and being thankful and what it means to be thankful. And so when I knew that I was speaking this Sunday, I said to Joey, I'm not doing it. I'm not speaking on thankfulness. I'm not speaking on gratitude. I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. I'm not doing it. And so I have been preparing this whole week an entirely different message that had nothing to do with gratitude. It had nothing to do with Thanksgiving. And so I was telling him a couple days ago, I said, I just, my message isn't settling with me. I'm just not settling well. And he goes, well, why don't you speak on Thanksgiving? And I said, I'm not doing it. I won't do it. And he goes, well, that's what I'm going to do at the church I'm going to. I said, well, that's fine. That's you. you can do you, boo, but I'm not doing it. And so Thursday morning, I go out into my garage, and I'm on my treadmill doing my little morning routine that I do, and I was watching this program that I like to watch on Christian television. There's some good Christian programming out there, guys. And so I was watching this program, and it was all about Thanksgiving, and it was all about gratitude. And do you know, it just so pricked my heart, and I knew that's what I had to speak about. And I went inside, and I moseyed over to Joey, and I, and he, and I stood in front of him, and he said, what's wrong? And I said, I have to speak on Thanksgiving. <laughs> but as I've begun to prepare it, I'm not saying I have to speak on Thanksgiving. I'm saying I get to speak on Thanksgiving. I'm excited about it now because obviously I needed to hear it for myself. Because as I began to go through these scriptures, God started to stir something up in me that I need to hear. So Thanksgiving, living this life of Thanksgiving. If you are a believer in Jesus, if you uh, have accepted the Lord, that means he's literally changed your heart. You've received him as Savior. Uh, you acknowledge your need for a Savior. You acknowledge the fact that you need God. That's what salvation is. If you're here today and you've never had that opportunity, it's as simple as believing in God and knowing that you need him and accepting, acknowledging that you need a Savior. And so if you've done that and you have acknowledged that you need a Savior, you've had a heart change. And so with that heart change uh, should flow gratitude. Our lives should always overflow with gratitude to the one who saved our souls. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, in everything, in everything, say that with me, in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you, not just in some things. It says in everything. Psalms 104 says to enter his gates with thanksgiving. That means when you come to him, you're coming to him with thanksgiving. We're told in Colossians to let the peace of God rule our hearts and be thankful. Okay, so that sounds great, 
But how do we be thankful at all times? Because to be honest, that's not always my first response. And I'm going to guess maybe it's not always your first response because it's not always easy to be thankful at all times. But it goes back to Ephesians 4.21, the scripture that says if you have really experienced the anointed one, not just if you've pretended, not just if you played the religious game, but if you have really experienced the anointed one and you've really heard its truth, it's going to be seen in your life. If you've really experienced Jesus, that's what's going to be on display in your life. Because you have to know that you're all on display, right? Somebody's watching you. Everywhere you go, someone's watching you. Uh, your kids are watching you. Your friends are watching you. Coworkers are watching you. Everybody is watching you. And, and they're wanting to see what type of character you have. What is, what's the character being displayed in your life? Because character is everything. Character is who we are when nobody is watching us. But sometimes when we go through difficult seasons, the level of difficulty that we might be walking through, it tries to dictate our character. But we can't be people that allow our season to dictate our character, right? We, we, we can't control the things that happen around us. We can't control the seasons of life that we go through. But we can control our character. We can control our response to the difficult seasons of life that we go through. You know, I would say for the past year and a half, Joey and I have been walking through probably the hardest season that we've ever walked through in, in my adult life. We lost somebody <clears throat> about a year and a half ago, and it was very sudden, and it was very traumatic. And as a result of that and the grief that our little family has had to walk through, and the way that the grief has manifested in different areas in our lives, it has caused this to be my personal most difficult year. And, um, and Joey's as well. It's just been a difficult season. But in the same token, throughout this year, a lot of great things have happened too. And so we have been on this emotional roller coaster of very difficult things, very, things you never want to experience, down to things that were so great that you want to experience. It's been a crazy, crazy year for us. But I would venture to say that the majority of you that call Oasis Church home and you see Joey and I every Sunday, you, you probably wouldn't know that this has been the most difficult year of my personal life. Um, and, and I would say you probably don't know that because... I do my best not to wear my season on my sleeve. And the reason that I do that, it's not because I'm trying to be fake or present myself as somebody that has it all together in front of you because you know that I don't do that. I share with you as transparent as I possibly can. But the reason I don't allow the season to dictate my life is because, for one, I know my season's going to change because seasons have to change. And for number two, I don't want the season to change me. Because a difficult season, if you allow it, it has the ability to change you. A difficult season has the ability to rob you of everything that God has given you. It can quickly steal your joy. A difficult season can steal your spirit. It can steal your fight. It can steal your resolve, especially if it's a prolonged season of hardship, right? It can, it can suck the life out of you, and before you know it, you've changed. You've changed your character. You've changed your standards. You've changed your beliefs. You've changed because of that season. A difficult season can steal your gratitude. You know, Jesus warned us in John 10.10. He said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, 
But then Jesus backs that up and says, okay, so that's what the thieves come to do. But he says, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He wants us to have a rich and a satisfying life. So, okay, okay, so how do we have this rich and satisfying life when we're walking around with targets on our back for the enemy to try to attack us? Because make no mistake, Scripture says that your enemy, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's only looking for an open door. Wherever he can get in to mess with you is where he's going to get in to mess with you. And so we have to know that as believers, we are walking around with this target on our back for the enemy to try to mess with us. And so, yeah, but yet Jesus says, I can have a rich and a satisfying life. So how do I do that when I'm in the midst of this? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you, Ephesians 4.21, the scripture I read to you, if you really have experienced the anointed one and you've heard his truth, it's going to be seen in your life. How do you live that rich and satisfying life? You remember your experience with the anointed one. We've all got an experience. And if you've walked with God any length of time, you have multiple experiences with the anointed one that you can pull from. Do you remember the moment that you received Jesus? Where were you? Where were you the moment that you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that God was with you, that he was fighting your battles, that he was strengthening your resolve in the midst of your mess that you were in? Uh, where were you when you know that God lifted you up out of that muck and out of that mire and out of that mess that you had made for your own self and God reached down and he lifted you up. Where were you when his brightness shone in your life like the noonday sun? Where were you when you had no hope to cling to? And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus, and you just feel alive, and you've revived, and you've got hope again. Where were you when you experienced the anointed one? Scripture tells us in Psalms 107, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Do I have anybody in this room that's been redeemed? Oh, come on. I got a few of you. You've got to remember. You've got to remember that you are redeemed, and you've got to say so. You've got to tell it. You've, when you're at home by yourself and nobody's listening, or even if somebody is listening, you are telling your story. You're reminding yourselves of the time that God has come in, and he has snatched you out of the hand of the enemy. It builds your faith to hear you say those things out of your own mouth. I remember. I remember being a 14-year-old girl who was incredibly broken. I remember being a, a little girl that had been abused and, and I was neglected and I, I didn't know uh, what true affection looked like. And then I met Jesus at 14 and God began to change me and do a work in my life. And I've been privileged to live 28 years serving Jesus and getting to know him more and changing more. I remember my experience that day. I remember that day vividly down to what I was wearing. I remember. I remember over the years watching God orchestrate the details of my life. I remember multiple times God coming through for me and for my family. I remember when Lily was in the NICU, when she was a newborn baby, only a few hours old, and she was diagnosed with just a, a, a slew of things that they said was going to be wrong. And I remember the moment God began to turn that around as we petitioned him to heal her body. And now she's as healthy as can be, and she's the, the most fun, most energetic 11-year-old you ever would meet. I remember what God did. I remember. And so because I remember, even now today, 
as I'm still walking through a difficult season, I'm still trudging through some hard things. I know that I know that I know that because my Redeemer lives, I know that because he has snatched me from the hand of the enemy before, what I'm facing right now is nothing to him because he'll just snatch me right back out of it any moment in time. I'm ready for it because I've experienced the anointed one. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 is an interesting passage of scripture. It says, when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. That means when Jesus comes, he's complete, he's perfect. What is in part will disappear. It goes on to say, for now we see through a glass darkly. But then when I'm face to face with Jesus, right now I know in part, the scripture says, but then I'm going to know even as I am known. So the scripture is saying right now, I only see a little part of what I'm going through and why I'm going through it. I can't know today why I'm going through a difficult season. You can't know today why you're going through a hardship. But what you can know is that God promises that he's going to work that thing for his good because Romans 8.28 tells me that he plans to do that. He's got plans that are good for me. So if that's the case, and if I'm told in 1 Corinthians that when completeness comes, what is in part disappears, if, and if I'm told that I only see a little bit right now, I can't see the whole picture because I'm not in heaven, I'm not in a perfect place, then that tells me that I'm never going to fully know the answers to the questions, why? Because if I'm always asking God why, I'm not asking him from a spiritual place. I'm asking him from a natural place. Now, I want you to go with me here for just a second. The, the question why, that is a natural question that stems from my flesh, from my finite being, from my human nature. It's from my mind. I'm an earthly being. And so here I am asking God a human earthly question why, and, and I'm expecting a human answer. But God's not human. And so we go to God and we're like, God, why, 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 why? And, and it's not bad to ask God why. You can ask God why. He's a big God. He can handle all of our questions. But I, I want to encourage us to not go to God asking him why this, why that, why this, and you're expecting God to answer how you think he should answer. You think he should answer from a human standpoint, and he's not going to answer from a human vantage point because he's not human. God is spirit. The scripture says that God is spirit, so that we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. The scripture says in John chapter 4 uh, that God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if I'm going to God and saying, why? Why am I going through this? Why did I have to face that? Why? Why? That's stemming from my flesh. That's a natural question. I'm dealing with a supernatural God. He's much bigger than my natural question. So the, the way that I can build up my gratitude, I can build my gratitude level by worshiping in spirit and in truth. So I'm not going to worship him with just my human nature. I've got to tap into my spirit realm and begin to worship God out of my spirit. Because you have to know that your spirit is where your strength comes from. You don't strengthen yourself. You can't strengthen your own self. We are weak. We are fragile. We're jars of clay who see things darkly. But the Spirit of God, oh, oh, now that's a different story. The Spirit of God that's living on the inside of me, 
the supernatural God that's living on the inside of me, he will take his super and he'll attach it to my natural and that becomes a supernatural being. Oh my goodness. And when you operate out of the supernatural, you're not operating in your own strength. That's why you don't know it's been the hardest year of my life because I'm not operating out of my natural. When I stand up here before you, I have to operate out of my supernatural being. And I've got to say, God, I need that Holy Spirit to stir up inside of me. I can't do this on my own. I can't get up on my own. I need God to get me up. So I've got to stir up that Holy Spirit that's inside of me. That Holy Spirit is inside of you. But the, the, the worst thing we do is wake up in the morning and we don't even acknowledge it. We just get up in our own strength. We put our feet over the side of the bed in our own strength. We start breakfast. We start getting the kids out the door. We get off to work. We do it all on our own strength. Never once pausing to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Have this day. Jump in. Jump in here with me. Let's stir up the gifts that are inside of me and see what we're going to do today. Because when you allow the Holy Spirit to run supreme in your life, there's no limit on what God can do with you. There's no hardship you can walk through that you won't get through when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And it's available. It's with you the moment you receive Jesus. It's just a matter of us acknowledging that and saying, I'm not gonna live in the natural. I'm gonna live in the supernatural. I've gotta go there. I've gotta go there. As we close out with this thought this morning, because we're gonna have communion here in a moment, and we're gonna do something really wonderful and fantastic, and I wanna leave time for that. But my final thought is this, that gratitude Gratitude is both fruit and it's fuel. Gratitude is fruit and it's fuel. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. The fruit of our life should be gratitude because fruit is produce, right? So what are we producing? What you are producing should be gratitude it should always be gratitude because remember the scripture said if you've experienced the anointed one, it's going to be seen in your life. The fruit of our lives should always be gratitude. There's really no other option for the life of a believer because our lives are not our own. We were bought with a price. Some people have to walk harder roads and you think, oh my gosh, why do they have to walk through that? God, they love you. Why are they going through that? Why do you have to walk through some of the things that you have to walk through? I don't know. I don't know all of the answers to the whys of life. But it doesn't matter what I don't know. It matters what I do know. I do know that my Redeemer lives. And I do know that my Redeemer has a plan for my life. I do know that my Redeemer has a plan for your life. And because He lives, we will also live. Gratitude is fruit, but gratitude is fuel. Fuel. Fuel for what, Jen? I'm so glad you asked. It's fuel for others. It's fuel for people around you. The fruit of your life, it's thanksgiving. If it's a constant awareness of the goodness of God in your life, no matter what, that produces fuel for others around you. That's where we get Ignite Hope from. Out of our thankfulness, out of our gratitude, out of what God has done for us, we want to ignite hope in other people. It becomes fuel to help other people. Our fruit that we produce, it fuels others. Because you know that everything you do is contagious. If you are grumpy, it's contagious. 
If you're angry, it's contagious. If you're sad, it's contagious. If you're happy, it's contagious. If you're joy-filled, it's contagious. If you're a thankful person, it's so contagious. If you are in a situation and it's just down, 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 when you start being thankful and saying all these great things, all of a sudden there's a shift that takes place because thankfulness is contagious. You know, and the, kind of the reason why I was so, I'm so not wanting to talk about Thanksgiving in November is because I feel like it's so overplayed. And this is why. And I'm learning it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But the whole reason why I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. It's because everybody else does it. Because in November, all of a sudden, the whole world is grateful. In November, we see all the social media posts about, I'm doing, you know, all these days of thankfulness. And they share everything that they're thankful for. And, and this is the time of year when people start to be kinder to one another. They start to be thankful for what they have. So out of their stuff, they give to others because they're thankful. And this isn't just, I'm not just talking in church life. I'm talking, you know, nationwide. This is what, what we do as Americans in November. People are more thankful. And so I thought, no, I don't want to, I, I, we should always be thankful, not just in November. We should do it all the time because in November, everyone is thankful and the men don't shave. That's what November is. I mean, right? <laughs> but the rest of the year, emphasis on gratitude is lost. And so it got me thinking. You know, most people generally love the holidays. There's, of course, some people that don't love it. But most people love Christmas time. We love the holidays. Uh, at when service is over here, we've got a little crew assembled that we are going to turn this place into a winter wonderland today when you guys leave. I mean, when you come back next Sunday, it will look like the North Pole threw up. That's our goal anyway. And we're, I'm, we are not even playing around. It's going to look amazing. Uh, December, we're so excited. We've got a permanent photo booth all season long. It's going to be amazing. It's going to beat anything the mall could ever do. We've got giveaways all month long. I mean, light of life. It's going to be a great, great season. So don't miss a Sunday in December. And invite a friend. But, but we love Christmas, right? We love Christmas. And so the entire nation loves Christmas. It just unifies people. But it got me thinking, I wonder if the reason we love December is because we planted seeds of thankfulness in November. Think about it for a moment. We go all year long and, and, and the majority of people are not thankful. But then November comes, everybody's thankful. And then December comes and everybody's happy. Could there be a correlation? I think there is, because the principle of seed time and harvest, it exists no matter what. It's a law that God established. Whether you are a believer or not a believer, we all know that what you sow, you're going to reap. So if you are sowing gratitude and thanksgiving, you're going to reap a better life. Whether you're walking through a hard season, whether you're walking through the best season of your life, you're going to reap good things when you're a thankful person all the time. So I just wonder if there's a correlation between November being thankful to people feeling so good in December. I think there is because there's power in gratitude when we are thankful. What if we lived our entire lives like we do in November? Just so thankful, just grateful, just overwhelming gratitude. Not just only in November. It's my pet peeve. That's why I didn't want to do it. Because why do we have to only do it in November? We should be grateful all the time, always, every day. It's not optional in the life of a believer.